Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the box, Danny? Ah, let me tell you what's in the box, Joanna. <laughs> it is slashers and blood. Yes. And gay people. Yes. All good things. And and yeah, yeah. So yeah, Danny and me and Joanna are we're gonna be talking about um the trilogy, the Fear Street trilogy that came out this year. Um, it is based on the works of R.L. Stein and is directed by Lee Janik. And when you are reading this, it will be my birthday. Listening to this, everybody happy birthday, Danny. Yay! happy birthday to you thank you thank you it is also uh the birthday of someone who we have discussed muchly on this podcast as well happy birthday stephen king that's right (laughs) i share a birthday with the king himself stephen king so yes it is our birthday today as you are listening to this as this episode premieres september 21st and uh and he is turning 72 i am turning 42 uh, so I and believe we both are still are in a day over 21. Exactly. <laughs> and turning 21 for 21 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I am now uh, the answer to life, the universe and everything mm-hmm. now. So right. now, now, if somebody asks me, what is the meaning of life? Instead of saying 42, I can say Danny. That's right. Yes. At least for a year. At least for a year. Uh, yep. at, least, at least for a year. <laughs> but yeah, I am. I'm super stoked. I always love my birthday. I think it's a great holiday because, yes, I share it with Stephen King, Bill Murray, H.G. Wells, and um, a singer. And my husband loves him. Uh, Leonard Cohen. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, yes, September 21st. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about this Fear Street trilogy uh, that came out earlier this year. It was on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Um, And how they did it was... One week, one movie premiered. You got the next one the following week and the third one, uh, the third week. Um, They premiered July 2nd, July 9th, and July 16th of this year. So we thought we would talk about kind of each one individually um, a little bit. And then um, then we're kind of going to come together and we'll talk about the relationships on these movies really do uh, have to be um, together. Um, they are one set. So, um, yeah, I kind of watched them all to get the whole story. Mm-hmm. So Fear Street Part One takes place in 1994. I was 14 years old. I was. Oh, God. <laughs> I was Here we go. at uh, Here we seven. Go. God damn. No, no, no. I was definitely. No. I had I had to have been seven because I was born in 87. And then if I was 10 in 97 minus three is 94, 10 minus seven is three. So I was seven. Way to go. That education <laughs> helped you out. Yes. <laughs> that anyway, I was right. 14. I was about the same age as these characters, perhaps a little younger. I think they were juniors or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was about the age that these characters are supposed to be. Although I do have to mention just before we get into the actual plot, if they could have had a song that was actually from 1994, yeah, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have, you know, 
Like for as many 90 songs that they stuffed in there, they didn't get one on the actual year. I know. But it, like, it was more like, okay, yes, we get it. This is set in the 90s. We get yeah. it. <laughs> but there were so many songs. I was <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, this wasn't 94. This was like 96, or this was like 90 you know like yeah. I don't expect to be on the year but like at least ones that weren't past the time when the movie was supposed to have taken place like anything yeah. from 90 to 94 would have been good yeah that anything was, within those would have been good that but they really, had some that weren't even out by that point like oh they yeah I'm out in 96 or 97 yeah so yeah anyway that is that is my gripe <laughs> with that because as someone who was 14 at the time that period of music is a very specific time of music. It's so fucking sacred. <laughs> it's so <sighs> fucking special. special. <laughs> I'm a creep. Okay. Sorry. <clears throat> anyway. So the plot of this uh, one is we open up on uh, this good old bookstore. Uh Closing this teenager working at the mall, good old malls back when malls were, I mean, nineties was like hepped up for the mall, goth in a box, Spencer's friggin', you know, like I want to say like nineties to early two thousands, like yeah. that's peak mall time. And then peak just mall. downhill from there. Yeah. She works at a bookstore and, um, uh, she's closing up. Um, and as a little, uh, Easter egg, if you know, on the shelf, she walks past the shelves and pauses there. So you can definitely see this. Um, but they had R.L. Stein books in the back, although they weren't done as R.L. Stein. It, they put somebody mm-hmm. else's name on them, but they were, in fact, R.L. Stein books like Wrong Number, yeah. um, you know, Slumber Party, all the old good ones. Tell me, were you an R.L. Stein fan? Oh, of course I was. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think... Those Goosebumps, Fear Street. What? Sorry. What Goose, goosebumps or Fear Street? Oh, more, Both? more Goosebumps. Because okay. by by the time I was a teenager, like the whole Fear Street thing had kind of faded away. Yeah, and I was gonna then, say if you were seven at that yeah, point. Yeah. So then, then it was you know uh, Queen of the Damned and Anne Rice, and, oh, okay. and that's what my whole guy. Yeah, was. she kind of busted onto the scene didn't she again yeah 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 she, she was kind of like here i am with my romantic vampires yes. my angsty mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah Interview that's with right vampire published 19 1978 i believe yeah yeah anywho but yeah, yeah Go- i was at the perfect age yeah um goosebumps was his middle grade stuff and then fear street was the teenager stuff um i was also i was more of a fan of christopher pike although i did read a lot of Arl time but i was more of a christopher pike um which i insisted that we do um if we you guys want to go back we did um whisper of death it was uh, it was really fun to read as, yeah, as an adult, you know? so it was basically yeah. like Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein. They were yeah. the it. They were they were the gateway to Stephen King and Clyde Barker and all of that. <laughs> they were they were the gateway and yeah, all the all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan and and R.L. Stein. The year that you and I met, actually, he was a guest at StokerCon. <gasps> 
the year you and I met and I actually got to meet him and uh, he signed a book for me and he was really awesome. Really funny. Hilarious. I saw his talk. He's fantastic. He's such a down to earth guy. Um, so down to earth and he's killed so many teenagers as he puts it himself. I love it. And I, I killed mean, so many teenagers. Even even children or maybe made yeah. them disappear like even in- even yeah, even even the uh the the goosebumps were a little like yeah. yeah, I mean, like the cuckoo clock of doom, like kid goes back in time and somehow makes his sister completely disappear, which yep. which, which was Oops. great. Um, first Goosebumps book I ever read was Phantom of the Auditorium, book number yes. tw- book number 24. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then I think I ended up getting like the first I, I know he published more than a hundred of them but I, oh yeah I, I, I mean I, he was pumping them out yeah. and everything and I had the first 100 at some point and yeah. then I donated it to my mom so she could you know have her kids read them in her classroom and then her kids just kept taking them never brought them back they graduated <laughs> hey, hey I would not I mean, give a crap if I were the teacher I'd be like I will replace those goosebumps books till the day I retire. Did you read it? Did you love the crap out of it? Keep it. It's a gift. You know, this, this is why physical books still matter. Yeah. What really struck me when he talked is there's a writer who loves what he does. He had a niche scaring kids and scaring teenagers in this very specific Mm -hmm. way. And he loved it. And um, it was really great to meet him. And so, you know, Mr. Stein, if you read this, we love your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was very excited they made this movie trilogy. Um, and I felt that it really kind of did have some good vibes to it um, and stuff. So it, it definitely out of all three movies, they definitely uh, had their moments. Um, I will say my favorite of the three was the very last one. Fear Street Part mm-hmm. 3, 1666. Um, and not just because I'm like, ah, Little Hope. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that the, game. Uh, video game. Um, but also, like, the most important one to watch out of all the three is, of course, the last one. Not just because it ties everything together, but it does, it breaks a couple slasher horror traditions especially if you're talking about salem era witches right so it puts a nice little new spin on things i don't really like the first two (laughs) i didn't like it all that much um i know i'm just like "Eh." it just we're we're gonna we're gonna have talks then I, I, okay. But so lesbians totally here for that. So yes, yes. I, I was like, yes, this, these are good and choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt it had, it had good vibes. It had good R.L. Stein vibes, all three of them. Um, but okay. So 1994, basically, like I said, we started out a uh, girl is um, played by Maya Hawk of all things. Um, they're doing a callback to give us that Stranger Things vibe because mm-hmm. um, she was Robin in um, Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, she's closing up and we get this brutal, um, very uh, brutal uh, killing uh, scene where she's trying to escape a killer, which um, 1994 um, was very much inspired by Scream. Yes. So that's why you get the mask, the skull mask. Um, it's supposed to be reminiscent of mm-hmm. Ghostface. That beginning one is reminiscent of Drew Barrymore dying as Casey in, in mm-hmm. Scream in the first scene. Um, they just took a lot from that. Yeah. Um, 
and stuff. And so very much inspired because Scream kind of was like the 90s, oh, yeah. you know, bringing that back of 90s. Oh yeah. That and like, like, I know what you did last summer and uh-huh, yeah, and that those. very iconic 90s. Urban legend. Yeah. All those, which I think was towards the later end, but yeah, all those. Um, and, and we're then, um, the, the towns, of course, the two halves of the town, shady side, um, and our actual places in Arl Stein's books, those are the towns mm-hmm. that he uses, you know, the poor people live in shady side. Yeah. And when he's kind of doing the upper class stuff, um, they are, what was the other one? <laughs> See, I forget. It's been a while since I got watched them. Sunny when first something? The sunny. Yeah. Sunny. I'm like, I want to say sunny hills, but like, no, that's an actual city. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, so this is where we're introduced to the main characters. We have um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to look here. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of characters. I'm trying to find <laughs> the ones. Yeah, okay. So we have Dina, who is going to be our protagonist throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we have her little brother, Josh, her friend, Kate, and her friend, Simon. So those are kind of the four that we follow mm-hmm. in the first movie. Um, Dina, Josh, Kate, and Simon. Um, Dina, and she has a little brother named Josh, who's like all into these conspiracy theories and stuff. Then her friends, Kate and Simon. Um, Kate is very much the, the queen bitch mm-hmm. of the school. And Simon is just kind of like, I don't know. He seems very drugged out. <laughs> Simon, just kind of, he's just kind of there. You yeah. know, he's like good company. But he's just yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the killing happens and everyone's talking about it. Josh, the little brother, is, um, you know, conspiracy theorizing on, you know, another shady side killing. Mm. Another shady sider was killed. And, and, and then you find out that Dina has an ex that she's still not over. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, this one got me. Um, yeah. you know, sexual, and I'm used to kind of cluing in on those things. They did it in a very standardized way. So when it was revealed that Sam was the cheerleader and not the quarterback, like yeah. you were expecting, it did get me. I was like, oh, okay. And normally I'd be like getting it, cluing in on that quite early, but they didn't give any of the indicators. They had set it up really like the typical, yeah. you know, 90s sports romance thing like she was dating the the quarterback for sure and I think also like the very first time we see Dina she's like writing this mean note and is like fuck you Sam you know blah 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 blah. is like oh okay this Mm -hmm. Sam person like hurt her like oh sounds like a douchey ex-boyfriend nope you know but then Dana broke broke up with her but then a lot of that sort of tension between both of the young women um really stems from the fact that what's what's her face uh Dina's ex-girlfriend like her family definitely would not approve does not approve right and dina references that like many many times like oh you don't want to be stuck with the lesbo lifer here and blah 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 and is just 
you know, that her temperament was very much like, you know, I still love you. I care about you, but still fuck you. Open your eyes. This is how it really is in shady side. Yeah. And I, and it's, it's Sunnyvale. It's the other Sunnyvale. Okay. Sunnyvale is the other part of town. Shady side and Sunnyvale. Mm -hmm are the two the two areas yeah so sam had moved to sunnyvale mm-hmm. and was now going to that school and all that and and dana was not still on shady side yeah not not into that and insert lion king joke here just imagine that like hey. we do not go there <laughs> we do not go there <laughs> what about that shady place <laughs> What about that shady side? We do not go <laughs> there, child. We <laughs> do not go there. Yeah. So after that, uh, they get into it. Um, the the Sunnyvale people, like Sam's boyfriend, mm-hmm. whatever her dickhead. God, what a dick. Um, uh, boyfriend, and um, they get into it. There's a car accident. Um, you know, because I, and then you. This is where you kind of start to get indicators that there's something supernatural going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Dina's nose bleeds before something happens, yeah. which is like an indicator that the witch is around. And then um, when Sam crawls out of the car, she gets those visions mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, and then they start being stalked um, and they're trying to figure out and they think it's the Sunnyvale people. Yeah. Um, and they think it's that. And then they start seeing, um, other killers um like just differently with different things and then this is when the brother comes in clutch because he's the one that knows the history of the town and mm-hmm. says hey all these names they're all shady side killers and you know that's who this is and that's who this is and you know they we've had just killings and shady side you know yeah. I mean, you know there was this one in the 50s there was this one in the 70s there was this one in the 20s there was this one in the 60s you know mm-hmm. and all that although i will also say too the fact that i mean his character was very much like stereotypical like nerd to come in clutch like that but also you have this character and i mean this is in the 90s which is a very kind of like different era of tech than from from the 80s but yeah this nerd you had was more like oh there's this kid who just likes to get online he's very interested in reading and obscure historical facts and he's also a gamer as well I'm so happy that they chose to have a young black man play that role yes because it would have been the the easier option to go with a stereotypical white nerdy guy behind the computer and I mean they as as a whole, really stayed away from that. And I mean, even um, the actress who plays Dina is of of color. Um, you know, so as much as a lot of these films are definitely inspired by classic slashers of their specific eras, like they mm-hmm. really made. It seems like they really made an effort to have a diverse cast and to cast people of color in the bigger roles. So yeah. that on a meta level is really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I agree there. Um, and so then um, 
you know, they kind of realize that what's going on is the killers are being tracked to Sam. So they kind of are like, oh, well, they're not going to stop until they kill her. So they try to rescue her. She agrees to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. We have a whole bloody thing at the supermarket. Uh, bread slicer. <laughs> oh, my God. I was and- like that care she I forget her name again kate kate it was kate that got killed that way kate yeah. was a badass yeah like, i love kate um but also i was not expecting them to like they went for the gore there and i applaud them for it that was yeah. that was a really like good scene without being over the top too so mm-hmm. yeah anyways <laughs> yeah and simon gets killed yeah as well um so then it's just sam and dina and josh and they managed to bring sam back like that was their whole plan they're gonna we're gonna kill you yep so they go away and then we're gonna bring you back with like cpr and EpiPens. okay first of all she tried the EpiPens first and she tried like this is where i the movie had uh, like it has, it's has its good moments. This is where the movie just, it was already losing me. It lost me here. <laughs> I'm like, so you're jamming these EpiPens straight into her heart and you're doing like seven of them. Yeah. I'm not. She wasn't even, she wasn't even like waiting to see if they took an effect. No. And she was doing not great CPR either. No. I'm like, <laughs> I, I am not a doctor, but I, um, I, I imagine seven EpiPens straight to the, chest in rapid succession is probably not good at all right. for you especially if you don't need it um and yeah i know how to do cpr and that was shitty cpr <laughs> yeah but she comes back to life they did it right everything's is- good right um <laughs> sort of <laughs> sort of yeah, at one point they had realized or Josh had told them that there was one person who had actually survived one of the killings. And so they were trying to get a hold of her to talk to her about how she survived. And um, at the end, uh, she finally calls them back after everything is over, um, calls them back and everything. And um, uh, first of all, they blamed everything on Kate and Simon a drug fueled rampage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that, I guess. Um, but they refused to say anything, you know, about like what happened or whatever. And, um, and then you find out that like Sam is possessed as well and, you know, is, is next in line. So that's kind of where 1994 ends. Yeah. Um, is that whole thing. They kind of realize something's going on. Dina's possessed. They have contact with this one person who survived. Um, and then we get into 1978, which was, um, not no surprise, very much based off Friday the 13th. I mean, yeah. even the lake looked very similar. You know, some of the, um, even the preview shots, Oh, are, are, very you, are you a fan of Friday the 13th? I, I mean, a little bit. A, a, a little? <laughs> it's only my Oh, favorite. wait. Am I, am I wearing a Camp Crystal I think Lake you are shirt? Camp Crystal Lake t-shirt. I am. 
Oh, and I have a painting of <laughs> yeah, Jason I think I see that. I, yeah, so Part so three, yeah, Jason Voorhees behind me specifically. <laughs> yeah, specifically, yes. specifically. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So 1978 is basically this C. Berman story. This woman who survived, and we go back in time to 1978 mm-hmm. to Camp Nightwing uh, to experience what happened in 1978. Mm-hmm. Where, so anyway, well, before we go on, how, let, let's kind of do a little summary of 94 before we move on to 78. So, and then before we get into like relationship, but like, what was your kind of summary of, of 94? Like, what was your brief, like, take oh, my on 94? Brief take. Um, very much your standard 90s slasher, no surprises kind of meh and it could have done better with the 90 songs yeah 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 i just i just i just didn't connect with it at all yeah you know see i loved it Mm. um just because that's what it was so the very reason you were kind of like it's meh or whatever Mm -hmm. because the thing is and maybe it's because of my age because i'm a bit older than you i'm like you know i was 14 you were seven so um, those movies were coming out when I was in high school. That makes sense. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like you watch it and you're like, wow, you know, like, this is great. This is just like that feel, you know, of, of those 90s mm-hmm. slashers that sometimes made no sense. They were just over the top sometimes, Yeah. you know, plot holes because, you know, I mean, that's like, like you were talking about with the EpiPens and, pens. Yeah. and all this other stuff, you know, that was just something that happened, you know, it was just, it's a 90s slasher. It doesn't have to make I sense. I mean, if, if all and of, they just went for it, if all know? of that was done on purpose, <laughs> like to that level of detail. Okay. I take everything back. I'm fucking impressed. Like, <laughs> damn, that's good. Like that you paid that much attention to it on purpose. I'm like, you studied the shit out of these. That's awesome. So yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt okay, anyway. Yeah. I mean, it had the lighting, the vibe, the type of characters you have in there. I mean, even some of the names of the characters oh, were yeah. kind of uh, plays off of um, some of the, the 90s horror genre and stuff like that. There were a lot of Easter eggs in there um, to 90s stuff like, you know, a little nod to urban legend, mm-hmm. little nods to I know what you did last summer, little nods to Scream, of course, which was the biggest influence um, and stuff like that. So I really loved it because, you know, it just reminded me of being a teenager mm-hmm. and going to see this stuff at the movie theaters and being like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, yeah, you have the dick jock. You have like the overly nerdy one who knows everything about the movies. I'll scream. Yeah. You know, and then you have the weirdo like stew in Scream, who was played by Matthew Lillard mm-hmm. in Scream. And so I think Simon was kind of supposed to serve that purpose. Gotcha. Since you know, so I think that's kind of why there. he was yeah. the way he was. And um, you know, except of course in Scream, you know, Stu turns out to be one of the killers. Mm-hmm. And he does it just for shits and giggles. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah. But you know, so I I loved it for exactly those reasons because I felt like it really did capture the the essence of those 90s movies yeah um, and I think you know by the time I saw those I was in high school myself but we're talking like early 2000s at this point and we had different types of horror coming out at that point I mean I think I mean by the time I wasn't it like the grudge and stuff at that point uh, or was that later 
Yeah. So like the ring, it was yeah. like the ring, the grudge. Um, I think even, um, uh, the first saw movie I think came out when I was yeah. still in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, yeah. what year was that? 2003, 2004. Uh, let, let we, me uh, research we have that for the you. Internet and it's a lot faster than it was back then. Oh, let me see. 2003. 2003. So, yeah, I mean, those were the movies that were, you know, that I was seeing when I was in high school, like dark, scary shit. Yeah. And then I mean, it, it, it stuff took a turn, you know. Yeah. The 2000s, so I think that's why Saw came out. Yeah. That's why I didn't connect with the 90s stuff. But because new slashers were coming out when I was in high school, I think this is why I connect with Friday the 13th and those earlier slashers. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just something about the 90s ones. I, yeah. It's a very specific it is. horror. Yeah. It really is. Like, you can pin it out. You know, you can pick it out. You're like, that's a 90s slasher movie. Yeah. That's a 90s horror movie. Mm-hmm. Right there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's, you know, so, yeah. So, I think, okay, so 1978. We're both fans yeah. of, of uh, the, the inspiration uh, for this. So C. Berman is telling her story about being at camp with her sister, Cindy. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's kind of the big twist at the end. Like you think she's Cindy, like the person you're following mm-hmm. the whole time in that movie. And you are not, no. <laughs> it's not her. She's the, she's the sister that dies. Cause it's, it's very beginning from the beginning. She said, I lost my sister. By the time the summer ended, I lost my sister. Yeah. So, you know, from the beginning that the sister dies, mm-hmm. one of the sisters dies, the sister dies. So you assume that it's Ziggy and Cindy is C. Berman who they're talking to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Cindy has a boyfriend. It's very uh, Friday the 13th mm-hmm. in terms of the, the fucking going on. Yep. They didn't, uh, they didn't shy away from that. Cindy walks no. in on her friends there, and they're they're going at it like jackhammers. Who would <laughs> just... cherry bomb? Yeah, cherry bomb. <laughs> cherry bomb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome song. Awesome song. That song. Um, yeah. Uh, so you know they definitely have the the counselors doing the mm-hmm. sex thing and and the the all of that and. Um, and everything and and the boyfriend um is played by the same actor who was uh the douchebag yeah. boyfriend because because one of the cool things i thought about the trilogy is they would have they had the actors and yes they had a couple in 1978 that went over but it was really between 1666 Six. and 94 mm-hmm. that they like reused all the actors yeah. and stuff yeah so, but yeah, 78 starts out and, um, and, uh, you know, you see that there's some rivalry going on between, uh, Shadyside and Sunnyvale who both go to this camp, you know, because, you know, that's not bad at all, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, just encouraging them to be jerks to each other. I, I don't know. It's just... You know, it's like, where are the adults at a summer camp? Like, nowhere in, in, in there. Yeah, I know. Like, as a former camp counselor myself, <laughs> we're supposed yeah. to be the adults. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just that's just bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, 
first thing we see is we kind of follow Ziggy and Sydney and we kind of see their situation where Ziggy is like kind of the outcast and she's accused of stealing by, oh my God, that girl was such a bitch. Mm-hmm. I want her to die so bad. Yeah. Sheila. Sheila, the one who was like just harassing Ziggy the whole time. Oh, yeah, Sheila's a. What a bitch. I really wanted a sleeping bag kill on her, you know? Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And so then you kind of see um, Nick, who's the cop from the first one, who kind of had been talking to Dina and them after everything goes on. And you kind of saw his character, Nick Good, mm-hmm. the sheriff. You see him as a young man here, Mm -hmm. like younger, um, going to camp in 78. Um, So you kind of get that. And um, Ziggy goes to um, the nurse. And you find out that the nurse was actually Ruby Lane's mother. And Ruby Lane was one of the shady side killers that you met in 94, mm-hmm. who would sing the song and um, the, the razor blades and stuff. Oh, yeah. And stabbed what's his face in the middle of the street. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a good kill. But uh, anyway, yeah, so, you know, that happens. And then they find um, the the diary of the nurse and how, you know, the, the, this weird book and stuff. And um, so they decide they're going to, like, figure it out and everything and they find the names with all the shady side killers on it including Tommy's mm-hmm. when they're down there yep. so you know basically it's like Ziggy finds the nurse goes tells her sister who goes back to figure out what's going on and um so Cindy yeah basically went and messed with her sister to find out and then they find out you know about this ritual and they find out the names and see that Tommy is one of them, um, who's her boyfriend and who's Cindy's boyfriend. And he gets possessed and starts killing people. And so then it's a slasher from there uh, or they're just mm-hmm. trying to stop him from killing people and stuff. So, and, you know, and that goes until the end where, you know, they kind of get caught in the field and you find out, you know, and, and Cindy gets killed. And Nick comes up and, you know, they both, but then you realize at that point that they said she was the only survivor. Mm-hmm. And you realize that Nick was too at the end. Oh because yeah. They didn't mention him. And that was kind of weird. And I remember watching it for the first time being like, wait a minute. They said she was the only survivor, but Nick was there. Yeah. So there were two. Those damn and 90s pops. Yeah. Well, yeah. 78 in this case, because <laughs> they were going to arrive the 13th, but um, but yeah, so she had gotten hacked and you're like, how did she survive? And then you find out like her name is Catherine or whatever. And so she is actually C. Berman. So it wasn't Cindy who was surviving, which you thought the whole time. Yeah. It was Cindy and Ziggy was going to die. It was actually the opposite. Yeah. Cindy died protecting her sister and it's Ziggy that they're yeah. talking to and, um, and everything. So, you know, that's kind of the gist of 78. Mm-hmm. Um, is that so what did you think of it like what about what about the characters here and and the kills and the and the vibe and the I mean the kills are always on point like you can't oh, Christine I'm sorry it wasn't Catherine. her name was Christine. Yeah. yeah 
Ah, I wonder if that's a little nod to Stephen King's Christine. Huh. Perhaps. Perhaps. Don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, if you're going to have any kind of slasher, regardless of the era, you got to make some pretty nice kills. You got to have some like gruesome, um, you know, effects. Um, and I also appreciated the nod to, um, what is it? Uh, Fr- Friday the 13th part two, but the first time you actually like see Jason, um, he has the wool bag over his head and there's just like mm-hmm. one eye. They did the same for the killer in this one, except, um, there were no, no, eye eye holes, but I instantly was like, ah, yeah, Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, I, I I appreciated that. Um, as far as the characters overall, I felt they really definitely got that. Um, what hot American summer camp counselor type vibe of just once the kids are in bed, it's reckless abandoned, uh, reckless abandonment, and I'm like, yep camp counseling hasn't really changed all that much since the 70s has it (laughs) Um, were you a camp counselor oh yeah ever uh three summers in a row the fourth summer I still worked at the same camp but I was now like in an administrative position oh I have shenanigans that can never be repeated because what happens what what happens on the mountain stays on the mountain oh yeah So. I was never a counselor, but I went to summer camp many, many times. I went from the time I was seven till I was 13. Mm. So I went every summer. So yeah, very familiar with summer camp. And it did have that kind of summer camp vibe. Oh, yeah. Even though I wasn't a counselor, it did have the vibe. Your, and your um, camp, as soon as you went to bed at night, most likely your counselors were fucking too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's not else to do anything up on the mountain. <laughs> Yeah, you're out in the woods. <laughs> that, what are you gonna do? That drink and smoke. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, like they hit the whole vibe, you know, everything. Um, wow. They even had that, you know, classic sort of slasher twist at the end, which I didn't see coming. And I'm like, I feel like I should have seen seen coming, but I think my brain was focused on trying just to not only pay attention what was going on in this film but to also like try to put together how that relates to different parts in 1994 like if there were any like pieces of the puzzle that I could slot together right basically um do I feel you can watch 1994 and go straight to 1666 yes like, I don't actually uh. feel like you need to watch part two to get the whole story. Because, I mean, part two, right. you're just, you know, you're going back in time. They didn't really learn anything from it. Yeah, the only thing they yeah. learned was where the hand was. Yeah. That's what they were looking for. Because they're like, oh, we know where the body is now. So if we reunite the hand and stuff, we can end the curse. Yeah. That, that was their whole deal. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of 1978, the very end. So, yeah, I mean, they could have done that as like a cut scene, you know, but they wanted the big buildup to how the hand got there and stuff yeah. like that. And and yeah, so they find the hand because Ziggy tells them, you know, the tree, mm. which somehow they didn't cut down when they put the mall over the camp because you find out that the 
mall from 1994. Oh, yeah. Used to be Camp Nightwing. Yeah. And the tree there was actually like the hanging tree that they hang hang Sarah Fear from. Yeah. And the hand is there. So they get the hand, they rush over to where they found the body or Sam had found the body in 94 and, you know, place it together. They think they're done. Dina's hand bleeds, Dina's nose bleeds. And then all of a sudden she's in 1666. Yeah. They're not done. Experience being Sarah Fear. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're not done. They're never done. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah Fear, which was kind of a neat, Mm -hmm. her name is F-I-E-R, but it was like Fear Street. And you did see that in 94 that it was, Fear Street, as in Fear Street, yeah. the books and stuff like Those that. Those were so nice kind of details that got linked linked together yeah. for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So we kind of jumped, summed up. I I enjoyed it because you know, hey, who doesn't love the the camp slasher? Oh, for sure. I think you know. I like. I yeah. It. I think even as like a standalone story, I think it works on its own, even if you were to watch it outside of the trilogy too. Um, Mm. Yeah. I just like for, because I think for me, all three of these, well, the first two, when you get to 1666, I feel like that, like the, the very last film had the strongest, most thoroughly written character relationships out of the whole trilogy i feel like Mm -hmm. the meat of it is in the last film yeah okay yeah cool so at this point we kind of briefly talked about two of them let's talk about 1666 and then uh then we can start getting into like the characters the overall stuff the relationships between them um this might end up being a little longer everybody just so that you're aware (laughs) yeah um yeah, so 1666, Dina finds herself in 1666. Um, and the first thing that happens is a pig is having trouble giving babies. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that happens. Um, so she delivers them. And um, yeah, and then it kind of goes from there. And you kind of learn um, that there's something that the some of the people in town are planning. They're kind of giving themselves a secret code. So, you know, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I forget what the exact code phrase was, but it was like, I say this and then you say yep. this and it's kind of a little sneaky, sneaky. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of seemed like an open secret. Like everyone knows they go out there to like drink and whatever, even well, in They were just oh. dropping drugs in the middle of the forest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those, you know, pesky Puritan teenagers. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, so you know, you kind of get that. And then this is where you really see that they reused uh, a lot of the actors. Um, the, the actor who played Kate was her friend um, in 1666, played the friend. Um, the actor who played Josh is Sarah Fear's brother. In this, um, the actor who played um, the douche and Tommy mm-hmm. Slater is uh, Mad Thomas. Um, you see that the guy who plays um, uh, one of the the guy, good Mister Good um, is actually Nick Good, the actor who played the sheriff, um, and Sam is there too. Um, yeah, Solomon Good—that was the name. 
Nick's ancestor, obviously, and Hannah, uh, Sam, mm-hmm. you know, so they reuse the same actors to come back and play these characters in, um, in 1666. So, um, yeah, so yeah, they're going to go out and um, they're meeting a widow uh, for berries. That's what you find out. They're getting berries for this party tonight. Berries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're basically on their way for to get drugs. And they stumble upon like this book and rituals and stuff like that. And um, then they go and um, go to the party. Mm-hmm. You know, they see this book and they're like weirded out, but they're like, we need the berries. So they grab the berries and they go and they go to the party and they get hit on by this one guy, but they reject him and they they run off. But then Sarah Fear and Hannah. um get together they start making out they have a very seeming seemed very passionate scene together like behind some rocks and then yeah crack oh my god somebody's there did somebody see us they didn't necessarily know who it was right and then they skedaddle off yeah right and then the next day the pastor is starting to act strange uh the town food and water is weird um and then um, Pastor Miller locks himself in there and they found that they killed, he killed a bunch of kids. And of course we knew about the pastor was like the first shady side killer, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they had mentioned that in 94 yeah. and 78, um, that the Miller was the first one. And uh, he nearly gets Sarah, but then Solomon Good, uh, the past, the, the sheriff's ancestor kills him. Um, and then they have a meeting about what happened to the pastor and decide, well, it must have been a witch. And they accuse Sarah Fear and Hannah because Matt mm-hmm. Thomas had seen them and says they were converting. Yeah. And Caleb, who was mad that they didn't accept his advances, uh, and claimed that he saw them too. And made fun yeah. of him for having a raging heart on. And he yeah. just, oh mm-hmm. man. Maybe you could go find a donkey to take care of that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that right. one, the best line out of the whole trilogy right there. <laughs> yeah. So they decide they're going to execute. Sarah gets away. They get Hannah. They decide they're going to execute her. She gets the book because she's going to make a deal, but the book is gone. Yada, yada, yada. It turns out she goes to Solomon for help who's the only one who's kind of been supporting, you know, he, mm-hmm. he defended her and stuff like that. Then she finds out that he had made the deal and it was him that made the pastor do that. And he mm-hmm. was trying to convince her like, Hey, we're outcasts, you know, join me and, you know, we can have like whatever we want and stuff like that. And so basically she's, uh, yeah. So basically, you know, made uh have allowed the devil to possess the pastor so he could have like riches and people listen to him because he felt like mm-hmm. he wasn't respected and stuff like that and sarah's like no they struggle blah 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 blah. but it ends up that she gets caught anyway he pretends to catch her and so they execute her but she puts a curse on him yeah. before she dies and stuff and that was basically 1666 and he's the one that they cut go- off her hand and he's the one that cut off her hand. And then we get back to 94. Um, after 
Dina sees all that and they realize that that's the big twist is that it was the sheriff and the good family Mm -hmm. like the whole time that for generations they had been giving the devil names this entity names and then that being would possess them cause them to kill until Mm -hmm. they were stopped so that they could have whatever they wanted yeah which you realize is how ziggy survived because you really thought with how many times she got stabbed and stuff she wouldn't survive yeah but it was because nick said give me this and he had made that deal and was part of that family so ziggy was brought back yep and that's and that's called that question Mm -hmm. so then they basically had to stop him and whatnot. and this is why we want to defund the police Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Stan, you know, just going through the, you know, you know, going from beginning to end from, you know, for part three just makes it even I, I, I'm more resolute in that this one had the absolute strongest thought out relationships in it. And it could be just because it literally ties everything together. Um, but I don't think so. Like the writing in that one was the best out of all, out of all three, I think. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of our brief, uh, well, 46 minute long uh, talk about. We have time movies. to talk about the characters. I feel, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's get into the relationships. Um, Let's kind of start with, I mean, there's tons of them in here. There's Ziggy with Nick Good. There's Josh with Dina. Mm -hmm. There's Kate and Simon, um, her friends in 94, relationship to Dina. There's Sam and Dina's relationship. Um, You know, Lane's relationship to Ziggy, Mrs. Lane, the nurse. Mm -hmm her relationship, Sarah Fear's relationship with the town, um, everything. There's a ton of relationships in this trilogy. So where would you like to, to start? I, kind of, I, guess. Um, I think overall kind of start off with a question because I feel like the strongest sort of relationship that we have is between the past and the present. Right. And I think it's, you know, they chose to reuse the same actors for a reason. That's like, they're playing these characters and ancestors. Right. And by doing that, they're establishing, you know, this is much more than just, you know, something that happened in the town in the past. It's like literally, been carried down from generation to generation that has stayed in the town so Mm -hmm. in more than one way the town hasn't escaped its past its past has constantly stayed behind it up into the present until everything kind of comes to a head in 1994 you know and it took you know um Dina and Sam and their whole posse to like actually dig into it and try to figure it out. And of course, Josh was the one who initially he put all the pieces together first because he was the one Mm. that did all, all of this digging. So Mm. 
in a sense, all these characters are trying to bring their town closure because they're kind of literally the the descendants of all these horrible things that have happened in the mm-hmm. past. Um, you know, and his and it sort of says a lot about small small towns, right? It just yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, small towns, yeah, man. but for me stronger than anything else was the relationship between the past and present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that, that there was also like relationship to history and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Um, I can definitely see that. Um, how, what did you think? I mean, cause obviously the impetus like through all three movies mm-hmm. is that Dina's trying to help Sam. Yeah. So how, how did you feel? Did you believe their relationship? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that they, you know, loved each other and yeah, you know, whatever, you know, it, it, I mean, I wish there were more movies out there that have, you know, the two main protagonists, you know, not only both be women, but both be romantically involved with, with each other. I wish there were more movies like that, that, that didn't focus on, you know, oh, this is a taboo. My parents are going to be like so mad at me and have that sort of thing come up like as a very big plot point in all of these different scripts. Um, You know, it's a big vehicle, you know, for kind of the witch hunt in part three is like, oh, you know, it's easy to point the finger at these two women because they're being romantically involved with each other. And that's, and that's a sin, you know, um, is that line of thinking realistic for back then? Absolutely. I just wish it wasn't the driving, you know, this whole, like, you know, two women have to fight back against their society and be like, no, it's okay to, be a woman and like another woman it's okay to be gay uh i just wish we were we were moving past that point (laughs) as as a modern society so i think for me having that be the through line for the entire trilogy it just made me sad (laughs) and i think that's why i was like i'm not really enjoying this but their characters are fucking badass though and dina oh. especially the uh, the young woman that plays her is absolutely fantastic she is complex um and you see much of that complexity in 1994 and in 1666 um she is yeah. a young woman who not only kind of understands her place in the world albeit it's kind of cynical but she understands the world at large too yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that because even in '94, they had like Sam's mom show up and be like, "You're not just seeing my daughter again." So they really did. They pushed play it into hard. that even in '94. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which you know, I mean, would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> but I think yeah, you know, it, it would it would be you know, um, yeah. I mean, I I I enjoyed. It. I mean, I felt like. That if nothing else, they felt it was real. Yeah. You know, their feelings were real and stuff like that. I mean, it's it they're they're teenagers. So, you know, yeah. me being 42, I always think how much can you know about 
relationships. But you don't, but you think it's, you know everything just because yeah, you know. you're only working with 15 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, there was that. I mean, I enjoyed uh, Dina's relationship with her brother too. Yes. I thought that was a really good relationship there. Oh, it felt so real um, to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with her little brother. I enjoyed that. And I really liked... Yeah, I mean, it, it was, and I think that they specifically, that, that was kind of the point that you went back to at the beginning was that they were trying to um, hammer home the history by using the same actors. Yeah. Like it's repeating itself, like nothing has changed. These are like the same people doing the same things and all of that, you know. Um, although one thing that did bother me, if you're going to make a deal with a demon, the devil, mm-hmm. right? You get riches and whatever you want, right? Basically. Your decision is to become the sheriff and mayor of this rinky-dink town. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's yeah. what you that's what you asked for. That's what you want. Like him and his brother, like his brother was the mayor, he was a sheriff, Nick was a sheriff, so like that's what their deal in killing these people got them was so they could be sheriff and mayor. Like if you're going to do that, why not be like president or like, I know. Well, you know, I mean, like, it was 1666. So way, way before that. Um, but also I too think it's weird, but now that I'm also now, now that I think about it, like historically, I'm like, what else did the colonists have going on at that time? Yeah, but the thing <laughs> is, is they renew they renew the deal. Yeah. So I mean, it wouldn't just have to be like, oh, you're. It didn't come across as like, oh, you're just the leader of this town for all time. But they were all asking for like different things. Yeah, like Nick asked for Ziggy to be spared. Yeah, I don't you know. know. So it seemed like you know they could progress their wishes because they had to renew the deal. Yeah. By, you know, giving names and stuff like that. I don't know. So, I guess homeboy didn't have any other ambitions in life. <laughs> I didn't have any other ideas. <laughs> I didn't have any other ideas. Uh, so Solomon. Yeah, yeah. Solomon didn't have any other ideas. And um, Nick, apparently they didn't either in the future. <laughs> You know what? All I got to say is at least they weren't in Jamestown because we all know how that ended up. Yeah, yeah. True, <laughs> true, 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 true. Anyways. True, true, true. Um, so what about like uh, Dina's relationship with her friends? She it always kind of Kate and Simon. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of 1994, it felt like like it like they weren't friends but they also were they're just it, there just felt like a lot of tension between them at the beginning like oh shit did something happen prior to the start of this story are they enemies but they seem to like have you know known each other for for a long time so when they all kind of came together at the end to you know help fight off the killers that came back from the past and everything I was kind of surprised that they were like working really well together but it made me happy 
Um, just because a lot of the times in other slashers, like everybody like splits up and it makes everybody easier to like pick off. And there doesn't like it felt there was a larger sense of camaraderie at the end of the first film compared to, you know, slashers um, of that actual era. How how much more? Maybe, you know, not not that much. I mean, it was really, you know, really similar to how those films were back back then. But I like I like I said, I thought at the beginning that they hated each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you would think at first. Yeah. So what about in a 78, Cindy's relationship? She had that friend who she found, you know, screwing her boyfriend and looked like they had been friends until she went off to Sunnyvale or whatever. Just kind of like the same thing that Sam and Dina had, but it was like her friend Alice yeah. and Cindy. It, again, it still felt, felt like, like everybody knew each other, but there was some shit that went down that caused some sort of, animosity and for whatever reason they're trying to hang on to their friendship that's that's what it felt like ah yeah interesting cool yeah so so yeah i mean there are lots of i mean is there any other um you know points well, and thoughts I, or overarching story thoughts i, I want to hear what whatever. you what what you thought about how the relationships were portrayed because I kind of get the feeling that you feel opposite and I would just like love to know why like maybe you can point point to something that can make me go aha (laughs) ah um you know it's kind of funny because they were going through horror tropes Mm -hmm. you know they were using very specific movies um for things um Actually, 1666 was based off um, The New World, which is a movie I hadn't actually seen. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Um, but um, 1666 was kind of based off that. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of like with any, uh, you know, the slashers, the relationships are kind of like over the top. They're exaggerated a mm-hmm. lot of times. So I did feel like there was a lot of nuance in like the main characters, like Sam and Dina and Josh and stuff, but the side characters ended yeah. up, you know, usually having a little bit less, you know, yeah. they kind of had their roles to play, you know, whether they were the stoner, the crazy person, <laughs> the, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever their stereotype happened to be yeah. or whatever. So, you know, I, I think they were more trying to make an ensemble thing kind of work rather than focusing too much on individual, like, stuff. You know, it was kind of like the whole thing was mm-hmm. coming together. And I thought it did come together very well. I liked the story. I liked, um, you know, I liked how it all panned out. It kind of surprised me. Yeah. But not, you know, my teacher always says, you know, good, good ending has to be surprising, but inevitable. Yeah. And I felt that way with this. That's very true. Um, that's that's a good saying. You know, I definitely think you have to watch them all together. I do think the relationships were good in terms of like the slasher thing. They they, mm-hmm. they did their purpose. You know, the, 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 the relationships to serve their purpose for the story. Yeah. Um, 
I thought the acting was great. I thought everybody did a great job, especially the ones that had to do multiple roles oh, yeah. and things. So I thought the acting was very, very good. A lot of the cinematography was fantastic. And I think because of that, and, and you know, it may go back to what you were saying about the relationship to history. Yeah. Since, since that's what they're kind of focusing on, that's kind of what everything kind of comes together to do. Mm rather than kind of individual stuff. I mean, cause we didn't really see, I mean, we saw a little bit of character arc a little bit. Yeah. A little, but like not much, you know, Dina was in love with Sam from the beginning yeah. and that stayed the same throughout. Uh, Josh and Dina were dedicated brother and sister. They remained that way throughout, you know, I, there wasn't really a lot of, you know, change yeah it was which in slashers you know usually there's only one character that gets that luxury of an arc the final girl or final guy or whoever but nobody really got that here no nick good was always evil you know um yeah the victims and stuff like that you know because even the the friends who were like in 78 who were kind of on the outs it wasn't really an art because you kind of knew they still cared about each other and something happened. They just had some kind of issue. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there weren't really, I mean, you can talk about the relationships as they exist, but I don't really think they art too much. You know, they kind of were the way they were yeah. and the rest of it was kind of tableau to kind of display those relationships. Mm-hmm. But you know absolutely i think you for the most part put into words of maybe like why i didn't like connect with it because i mean it was the hero's journey without the characters growing as individuals if that if that makes any sense which yes they're slashers that kind of makes sense but even in the older slashers even in the 90s slashers you still have like the final girl, like the people who survive the night and it's over and they get to go home, even though it's not really over. Right. Yeah. And they did that with this too. They had mid credits. Did you see the mid credits? Oh God. I am in 1666. I am drawing a blank. <laughs> Basically they had, they found the book, right. They kill the sheriff and yeah. everything's kind of over um, mid credits. You see someone come and snatch the book. Uh, from the crime scene yeah the typical like oh it's not ended not over yet yeah (laughs) um the jason coming up from the water the you know freddy's freddy's car yeah nightmare on elm street you know that that moment they had that in mid credits dude i wish i could have been in like in the actual theater when Friday the 13th like the very first one came out and then saw that last scene happen That I think I would have been as excited as like when the first Saw movie came out and then the dude who you thought was dead the whole time and rises up. Yeah. Like, oh shit. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, they did do that. And I did feel like, I mean, you have little things, but not huge character arc. I mean, Dina always had that final girl vibe. You know, she didn't go from being a shrinking violet to like in her own power, like, you know, some final girls, most final girls do. 
um, you know, or anything like that. I mean, one of the, one of the few things I can think of is like Sam becomes less ashamed of their relationship. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, kisses her in front of her mom and which was an know. awesome moment. And I was like, yeah. Yes, and, 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, so that, so, so you had that, but in terms of the others, you know, they either died or were, yeah. you know, kind of the same as they were at the beginning, you know? Yeah. I sometimes feel, so. you know, what's funny. We were able to talk in terms of character relationships. I feel like we were able to get more out of thanks killing than some of the characters in oh, this no. trilogy. <laughs> I still liked it, Joanna. I know. I, still- I know. I still like them. I think they're great. Good. And, you know, not everything has to be like, be able to write a thesis on it, you know? That's fair. In no, my opinion. Yeah, no, that's, that's really true. And I mean, as, as a whole put, put together, well done, you know? And yeah. I would. I mean, I enjoyed the story. It was slashers. Oh, I'm always into yeah. that. There were good kills. I liked the visuals. I liked the characters. I mean, because yeah, they were stereotypes, but they were ones that I recognized, yeah. you know, and the whole thing putting together, you know. I mean, I, I liked the whole package, you know. I liked how it was all it, it was all done. And and uh, you know, good. My, my Nathan and I both enjoyed it because I made Nathan good. watch it with me. So yeah. No, if, even though I was personally like, eh, I would still recommend everybody give all these movies ago for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one of those people that's like, I mean, I always feel like people should be like, you know, don't bag on something just because it's not your thing. You know, we talked about this earlier today um, in a different place, but you know, just if you, if you're something's not your bag, that doesn't mean it's bad. You know, it, it doesn't mean it automatically sucks. You know, or that the person who enjoys it has no taste, you know, it's just different taste. Like, I don't, I don't get why people do that. Like they kind of, it's become this thing on the internet, especially in social media where your taste is the taste. And, and, you know, if you think something's crap, well, then it is. And how could anybody enjoy it? Yeah. You know, instead of just being like, Hey, that's not my thing. I enjoyed the crap at analyzing these with you, though, Danny. This was fun. Oh, that's good. And I mean, if you analyze anything, there's always going to be parts about it that you like and don't like if you really want to dig into it. But you got to put in the emotional work for it. So it's true. Yeah. You can't just go, this sucks and you sucks. Okay. <laughs> go away. Block. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we I definitely recommend. I enjoyed the heck out of them. They're very nostalgic for me. They were slashers. You know, I'm easy to please. I really liked them. I recommend them. I think there's a little bit of good stuff in there, but I would I would definitely recommend getting into detail as we kind of discovered. Eh, you know, I mean, it's really more about the package. It's more about the whole mm-hmm. thing and what they're trying to do than anything, in my opinion. So that's a good assessment, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But what are we doing next time? Oh my god! What's, what's up? What's, what's going more on? Slashers and more blood. More slashers. more slashers and more blood. So next time, we will be doing a duo discussion of both the 1992 and 2021 Candyman movies. Woo! So obviously, all you Tony Todd fans in the house, um, if you haven't 
seen any of these yet, um, you should probably do so. Um, if you don't feel like, if you don't feel comfortable seeing the new Candyman in theaters, um, hopefully there is a drive-in near you. That is another option. Um, if not, I'm not sure if and when it is coming to any streaming service. I wish it was on right now. Um, but Danny and I will both be going to the drive-in to see this because that is the safer option right now in this COVID pandemic. Um, but we're both really looking forward to seeing it and talking about it. And I've been trying desperately to avoid any sort of spoilers online. Um, nice. It's been it's been very difficult, but I have managed. But anyways, thank you all so much for tuning in for another episode. Remember, you can give us a follow on Twitter at the box underscore podcast slasher at tell us what's in the box. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, shake the box before you open it. That's right. Shake, shake it. it. Shake 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 it. Like a Polaroid picture. All right. We're going to fade. <laughs>